The House and Senate are still both in recess and still will not return until the middle of November. Now let's talk inflation. According to data released last Thursday by Freddie Mac, the average rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, which is the most popular home loan product, reached 7.08% last week. That's the highest level in more than 20 years. The last time that interest rate was that high was April of 2002. Since March, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates five times, bringing its benchmark rate from near zero to between three and three and a quarter percent. The Fed is expected to raise interest rates by another 0.75 percentage points later this week. A year ago, the average interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage was 3.09%. As late as March of this year, it was still below 4%. The increase from 3.22% in January to 7.08% now is the steepest ever one-year increase, and we've still got almost three full months left to go in this year. Now to illegal immigration. Last week, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee warned Attorney General Merrick Garland and Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas to preserve all records related to the Biden administration's handling of the situation at the southern border. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, who's in line to become chairman of the Judiciary Committee if Republicans recapture control of the House a week from tomorrow, and Congressman Tom McClintock, who is in line to become the chairman of the Immigration and Citizenship Subcommittee of the Judiciary Committee, sent letters to the two Biden administration officials last week. Quote, we are investigating the Biden administration's callous disregard for the safety and security of our southern border and your willful failure to enforce U.S. immigration law. The southern border has been in chaos since the first hours that President Biden took office and an unprecedented surge of aliens has poured across that border. End quote, they wrote Mayorkas. Now to Russia and Ukraine. Two weeks ago, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy created some controversy when he said that if Republicans recaptured the House of Representatives, USAID to Ukraine might be curtailed. Quote, I think people are going to be sitting in a recession and they're not going to want to write a blank check to Ukraine. They just won't do it. End quote. McCarthy went into damage control mode shortly thereafter. A few days after that quote made news, McCarthy was reaching out to key House Republican national security hawks, telling them that his comments had been taken out of context, according to CNN. He told his members he was simply stating that a Republican-controlled House wouldn't automatically approve a request from the Biden administration for additional aid to Ukraine. Quote, McCarthy was not saying we shouldn't spend money. McCarthy was saying, we're going to be accountable to the taxpayer for every dollar we spend, said one House Republican. A blank check means that people get whatever they ask for. What we're saying is there's going to be some thought, there's going to be accountability, and taxpayer dollars are going to be used appropriately, end quote. A week later, it was a House Democrat leader stirring controversy. On Monday of last week, House Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila Jayapal sent a letter signed by 30 House Democrats to President Biden calling for a diplomatic solution to end Russia's war on Ukraine. Quote, given the destruction created by this war for Ukraine and the world, as well as the risk of catastrophic escalation, we also believe it is in the interests of Ukraine, the United States, and the world to avoid a prolonged conflict, end quote. Jayapal wrote on behalf of the House progressives, quote, 
For this reason, we urge you to pass the military and economic support the United States has provided to Ukraine with a proactive diplomatic push, redoubling efforts to seek a realistic framework for a ceasefire, end quote. It didn't take even a day for Jayapal to issue a clarification. Quote, let me be clear, she wrote, we are united as Democrats in our unequivocal commitment to supporting Ukraine in their fight for their democracy and freedom in the face of the illegal and outrageous Russian invasion, and nothing in the letter advocates for a change in that support, end quote. Now to the campaign update. For those who still plan to vote on Election Day, the election is eight days away. An increasing number of voters don't wait until Election Day to vote. According to data compiled by the University of Florida's Elections Project, 20,437,284 people have voted early as of Saturday. That includes 12,455,429 mail-in ballots and 7,000,000. 981,855 in-person ballots. There have been a total of 56,175,142 mail ballots requested. That's much higher than normal for a midterm election. In fact, it's on a par with a presidential election, specifically the most recent, the 2020 presidential election. Meanwhile, evidence of a building red wave continues to appear. Last week, Republicans gained the lead in 538's generic ballot advantage for the first time since August. And a new NBC News poll shows the GOP has a 78 to 69 percent advantage in voting enthusiasm. On Tuesday evening in Pennsylvania, we witnessed a debate in the contest for the U.S. Senate. Democrat nominee Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman who suffered a stroke just a few days before the May primary election and whose recovery has been at the center of the campaign ever since, squared off against Republican nominee Dr. Mehmet Oz. Fetterman was asked the first question, and he began his response by saying, Hi, good night, everybody. And it went downhill from there. In the one poll that fielded after the debate, Oz was leading Fetterman by three points, 48 to 45 percent. That's the first poll since the primary elections that shows Oz in the lead, and I don't see any reason for that to change in the remaining eight days of the campaign. The Cook Political Report still calls this race a toss-up, but Real Clear Politics now projects a GOP hold. The Arizona contest for the U.S. Senate continues to tighten. Two weeks ago, the RCP polling average advantage for incumbent Democrat Senator Mark Kelly was 4.5%. Last week, it was 2.5%. This week, it's down to 1.5%. And while Cook still has the race listed as a toss-up, RCP projects a Republican pickup. The Georgia contest for the U.S. Senate continues to tighten, too. Two weeks ago, the RCP polling average advantage for incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock was 3.3%. Last week, it was 2.4%. This week, Walker leads in the RCP polling average by 1.6%, and it looks like this race may go to a December 6th runoff. The Nevada contest for the U.S. Senate continues to look good for the Republicans. GOP nominee Adam Laxalt's advantage in the RCP polling average is 1.2%. Again, Cook lists this as a toss-up, but RCP projects a GOP pickup. In Wisconsin, incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnston's RCP polling average advantage two weeks ago was 2.8%. A week ago, it remained unchanged at 2.8%. This week, it moves up to 3.3%. 
Cook calls this a toss-up, but RCP projects a Republican hold. I've already put the other three Republican open seats in Missouri, North Carolina, and Ohio in the win column. If Republicans can hold on in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, then all they need to do is pick up one seat from Arizona, Georgia, and or Nevada. Regarding the contest to control the House of Representatives, there's also been movement toward the Republicans. Consequently, Republicans are going after what we call reach districts. That is, winning them would be a long shot, a real reach. But in years like this one has the potential be, to be, this is how you turn a tidal wave into a tsunami. So the National Republican Congressional Committee is making investments in three districts that went for Biden by 20 points in 2020. In California's 26th district and New York's 25th district and Pennsylvania's 12th district, the NRCC is pumping in some last-minute advertising to see if it can pick off additional seats. In a best-case scenario, the Republicans pick up three additional seats. In a worst-case scenario, you force the Democrats to divert scarce resources to districts they'd really rather not have to spend money in. So at the very least, it keeps the Democrats on the defensive. Larry Sabato's crystal ball issued a new rating for the entire House a few days ago. And for the first time in the cycle, they now show Republicans favored to win at least 218 seats, the exact number needed to take control of the House. And that's not counting 22 more seats that they see as toss-ups. The Cook Political Report also sees movement toward the Republicans. Cook rates 211 House seats as at least leaning to the Republicans, while only 191 lean to the Democrats. Cook has 33 races listed as toss-ups, and Cook has changed its House outlook from a GOP net gain of between 10 and 20 seats to a GOP net gain of between 12 and 25 seats. And that's our Washington update. I'm sorry, that's our Washington report and our campaign update for this week.